0: This is a Federal News Network podcast.
1: For a lot of reasons, career military families are, on the whole, less financially literate than the general population. That's according to an annual survey of financial readiness conducted by First Command Financial Services. In the latest findings, the gap appears to be widening. For more details, Tom Timmon talked with First Command President and CEO Mark Steffi.
2: We do a financial behaviors index every month, and we've been doing that for 13 years. And it really gives us great insights into the financial feelings and behaviors of our career military families. And when we say career military families, we're looking at what we would call middle class military families, commissioned officers and senior NCOs in in pay grades E5 and above, with incomes of at least $50,000. So we've been doing the financial behaviors index survey every month for 13 years, and then once a year in February. We add on nine additional questions, which we call our annual financial readiness and test survey. And it tests people on things like simple things or or straightforward things that you're going to deal with frequently throughout the course of a typical year which investments protect your purchasing power, how you access your credit history, how to put money aside for emergencies finance charges on credit cards, and just really trying to understand people's level of knowledge around these, what I would call basic financial issues, financial needs. And what we found this year in the survey was more alarming than what we've seen in past years. First of all, every year of this financial readiness survey, military members and their families have trailed their civilian counterparts This year, we saw an even more alarming trend in the fact that the military score, the average grade this year was 57, and that's down from 71 just a year ago. And that, as you can tell, is a 14% drop in just one year. When you look at the general population, they stayed pretty well consistent at 69. So we're seeing this alarming trend, I would say, in the military dropping from 71 to 57 in just 12 months. What compounds that problem, Tom, is that military members are far more likely to say that they've been through some kind of financial readiness training. 56% of the military say they've been through financial readiness training, some kind of education on finance, where only 31% of the civilian population say they've gone through the same thing. And in this survey, less than 1% of the military scored a perfect score yet 23% of the general population had a perfect score. So we've always seen the military trail. We're seeing this downward trend. We're seeing their scores decrease. And so we know that we need to do more to help our military families get this financial readiness training that they need.
3: We're speaking with Mark Steffi, President and CEO of First Command Financial Services. What is likely to happen to a family if they don't have the financial readiness they need?
2: I think so many of the issues we face in families are rooted in financial issues. I know through other organizations that support the military, they're digging into a lot of these things. You see divorce, whether you're a, a civilian or in the military, a lot of that is driven by finances. You know, housing is driven by finances, food and security driven by financial issues, education for your children driven by financial issues. And then compounding that fact is all our military members know, you know, security clearances are affected by financial issues. Not only do our military members carry the same burdens that the general civilian population carries, there's also a larger impact of finances on their careers as well, and it just compounds the need for us to, again, do all we can to support military families to come up the learning curve on financial readiness.
3: And is there any particular area that is most consistently a shortfall in their financial readiness or financial knowledge?
2: It's pretty well across the board, Tom. You know, people don't understand interest charges are a big thing. You hear a lot of people saying, well, I'm, I'm making my minimum payments on my credit card and I don't know why the balance isn't coming down. And, and if you understand credit cards and interest charges, that's never going to happen. You need to make more than that minimum payment to get those debts to come down. They don't understand the size of the interest payments every month or every year. And the, the, the percentage they are being charged. You see it when they're trying to purchase a home or purchase an automobile. Again, getting into those, those finance charges. Budgeting is particularly tough, as you can imagine, especially for a young military member or a young military family. Clearly, folks in the military didn't get into the military to get rich, but we believe they shouldn't have to be poor either. A lot of the work that we do with military families is on the budgeting side. They just don't understand where the money is going or how it's being spent and where they can pick up savings instead of spending money on things that are nice to have, focus more on the things that you have to have. They don't understand... How they might be wasting money on these, as we talked about a minute ago, the high interest charges or the late fees and penalties that come with that because they're not making their payments on time. So those are a couple of the big areas we see some of the biggest concern.
3: Sounds like everyone needs a Dave Ramsey moment here, I guess, to get around the debts that they incur. I guess debt itself, having it, can be a debilitating feeling for families, and that can lead to some of the stresses that you mentioned.
2: Debt in and of itself, right, is not a bad thing, right? I mean, if you're going to buy a home, you're probably going to take on some debt because you don't have enough cash to pay cash for the house. If you're going to take on some debt to buy a car or using credit cards, debt in and of itself isn't a bad thing. But you have to understand how much debt am I taking on? Can I truly afford that debt? How much interest am I being charged on that debt? What's it going to cost me every month? And especially these days, if you have a good credit score with low interest rates This is not a bad time to have a little bit of debt, maybe, right? But it depends on your personal particular financial situation. But we like to think that debt in and of itself isn't a bad thing, but you have to fully understand, as I said before, how much debt can you afford it and understand the rate of interest you're being charged. And is there a lower rate out there available to you and make sure you're keeping those interest rates as low as possible and, and making your payments on time?
3: Something else came up in the survey having to do with dependency on spouses to take care of financial matters, and very often the spouse is no better off than the primary military member at this financial game.
2: We're definitely collectively not doing enough to support the military spouses. We're not giving military families overall the right support or, or enough support, and we all know the outsized role that military spouses play in the military family. They take the lead in managing household budgets and savings. Our surveys show that about, in most households, 95% of the spouses are making most of the financial decisions. They face unique challenges in finding and maintaining meaningful unemployment because of the frequent moves. They carry the burden of knowing that they will be a single parent if a tragedy strikes the military member on deployment or through combat. And they play a critical role in navigating the financial complexities of the family's transition to civilian life as well. So our military spouses play this huge role in the military family's finances. And so whatever we're doing to try to educate and coach a military member on financial readiness, we should be doing the exact same thing for our military spouses.
1: Mark Steffi is president and CEO of First Command Financial Services. We'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. And you can hear the Federal Drive on demand. Subscribe at Podcast One or wherever you get your podcasts. We now bring you a special presentation from our friends at WEPA. Shane, thanks for joining us. Can you tell us about WEPA and your new podcast? Mike, great to see you again. The podcast series Lessons in Leadership what we're trying to do is, is take a deeper dive, a different angle into the conversation around leadership with great leaders at all levels of government. Uh, since the 1900s, leadership has been studied in a serious and academic way. Uh, great man theory, the leader follower theory, the inspirational leader, transformational leader. All of these are backward looking um, development of styles, looking at an individual, figuring out how they did leadership, and then translating it into a form that we can use today to learn, to perhaps emulate, copy. But great leaders, they have more than one style. I, think, I truly think that a great leader can adapt and transform into the role that's needed at that time. So, what we're trying to do is, is talk to great leaders and go a level deeper. Tell us about your, a story in your past. Tell us an inspiration that really affected your ability to lead others. And this certainly applies in the uh, federal space. The federal government, it's over two million employees. Great leaders are throughout the federal government, both at the top and the middle ranks. And what we want to do is Ask them to pull inside their memory, pull inside their personal history, find those moments in time when they were changed, they were inspired, they learned something about leadership from another person, perhaps it was uh, from themselves, and they brought that to the workplace and they inspired others and became great leaders. So that's what we're trying to do with the podcast. Okay, so I, I get that you wanted to start with leadership, but what makes leadership such an important topic right now for federal workers? Great question. Leadership today is tested like never before. Um, Today's, if I had to put a leadership style, if I had to put names to it, we hear about um, empathetic, we hear transparent, we hear uh, inspirational. So today we have COVID, we have a down economy, we have people We have social uh, injustice that we're dealing with. There are many new factors. And it's drawing, like never before, on a leader's ability to pull from within themselves and adapt to the current change. So leadership today is almost brand new again. We're taking all kinds of different styles, attributes, learnings that leaders have. They're looking at the current situation that we're in, Understanding how do I move groups of people? How do I move my employees? How do I inspire? How do I get them to the next best place? So I think leadership today, this conversation uh, is extremely relevant, perhaps more relevant than it's been in several decades. You know, we talk about an employee's personal route to growth, but what role does the management side have in this? I think in the federal government, it's, it's a little bit different than it is in the private sector. Uh, my father was a civilian federal employee. Uh, he joined the federal government in the 1960s. Uh, John Kennedy, he was inspired by ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. He had opportunities to go in the private sector. That notion of service inspired him it inspired an entire generation. I would like to think that call to service, which is unique in, in the federal space, in the government space, still exists today. Well, that about says it all. But is anything else you'd want the audience to know about you personally or WEPA as an organization? Uh, I have been uh, around the group affinity insurance world for Um, three decades. Uh, led. This is my second uh, major organization that I've led. And I will tell you that we impart this feeling, uh, you mentioned it, Mike, about service, this notion. We serve those who serve. And uh, I will tell you that it's refreshing. It's a blessing to be there. And I have so much respect for civilian federal employees at every level of government. In this podcast, we're hoping to talk to leaders which are similarly inspired and can share their learnings over a lifetime. And uh, this will be useful information uh, for anybody in government service.
0: As a parent, no two days are ever the same. And let's face it, sometimes a little extra help goes a really long way. That's what's so great about Care.com. They make it easier than ever to find local, experienced, and background-checked childcare to help manage your family's ever-changing needs. And schedule. From nannies and babysitters to daycare centers and tutors, find help for long or short-term support. Whether you need an after-school sitter or help with the homework, there's a large selection to choose from. And all caregivers who use Care.com are required to complete a background check before they're able to interact with families on the platform. It's so easy. Just go to Care.com and post a job for caregivers to apply. You can search for qualified candidates, read reviews and ratings, check their availability, and send messages directly. You can even find other kinds of care, including housekeepers, dog walkers, and caregivers for seniors. Find care for all you love. Sign up now and see why over 3 million families use Care.com. Visit Care.com today. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com/podcast1 to learn more and start your free trial.
3: As fall
4: fills up with activities and obligations, even a small time saver can feel like a big help. Grammarly is an all-in-one writing tool that makes clear, concise communication easier than ever, so you can finish your work earlier